podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. All right, boss man, let's get into the end of the summer. By the way, welcome back to the podcast. I should officially introduce us. We're the Tropical MBA Podcast, the show where we believe building a lifestyle business is one of the best ways to create more personal and financial freedom in your life and, of course, the lives of those around you. Boss man, what's going on down there in southern Spain? It's hot, man. It's very hot. (laughs) Very nice, man. Hanging out at the beach down here. Taking it easy. My last week in Spain, we just spent a month together in Barcelona. It was wonderful. Decided to do a little side trip down here. I got to tell a story. I I don't think the audience appreciates just how cost conscious you can be at times. Mm. The other night we decide one of our friends wants to go dancing because it's their last night in town. So we're like, hey, we're good friends. We're not big dancers, but we're good friends. Right. We'll go. (laughs) We walked the whole way across town we get to the dance place. And I mean, we just invested a lot. And the guy at the front's like, hey, it's going to be 10 bucks to get into this dance club. A piece. <laughs> we got like six people. And I'm like, guys, we just walked the whole way across town to get here. I'm schwitzing. Like, let's just go in the dance club. It was a real debate. That's what I'm trying to say. And I think that's a good thing. You have to consider each and every cost on that line item. I had a conversation with him, man. You did. I had to leave my family, you know, (laughs) go out to this club, and then now he wants $10? I don't know. It's coming down to the end of the summer, Ian, and it's a time when a lot of location-independent entrepreneurs start to reflect on their year and what their plans are for the remainder of the year. Those summer plans are sort of coming to an end, and I thought it would be an interesting time to have a fun, lighthearted episode about cities and location. A little while ago, I wrote a blog post reflecting on an article by Paul Graham, which really resonated with me. And obviously with a lot of readers, because we received many and varied comments about that post. I thought I'd read that blog post out loud. It's less than three minutes long, so hang in there. And then afterwards, Bossman and I will reflect on some cities that are special to us and what they whisper. And by the way, expect some disagreements between us about them. What does your city whisper to you? Every time I'm in New York, I think about an article by Paul Graham called Cities and Ambition. The idea is that cities send signals through a variety of means— from overheard conversations, to architecture, to how residents decorate their living rooms. Like great books, great cities often whisper their messages subliminally. Graham suggests that the signals from great cities are even clearer, and here's what he's heard from some of them. New York, you should make more money. Boston, or specifically Cambridge, you should be smarter. Silicon Valley, you should be more powerful. Berkeley, California, you should live better. Washington, D.C., the most important thing is who you know. 
Los Angeles, be more famous, Paris, do things with style. But although the messages in big cities like New York might be clearer, it doesn't stop me from listening for whispers everywhere I go. Graham describes location as an expansive opportunity for young people, saying, quote, If you look at the historical evidence, most people who did great things were clumped together in a few places where that sort of thing was done at that time. He then asks, quote, Will the next generation of people doing great things network virtually or at the occasional conference? The jury is still out. In the meantime, it's a fun game to play. Does your city rub off on you? And further, in your industry or practice, where are the best people gathering? Here are some brief whispers that I hear. San Diego, go outside and enjoy your life by following your hobbies. Barcelona, go outside and enjoy your life, but with your friends and family. Austin, your project and interests are accepted and cool. Ho Chi Minh City, make something of yourself. So, I'm curious, what does your city whisper to you? So what does your city whisper to you? We're honestly really interested. I expect to get a lot of emails about this one, Ian. Yeah. The reason I think it's an interesting conversation, Dan, is because us and a lot of other people have gained the ability to live and work from wherever they choose. In the beginning for us, that meant a little bit more travel. I think these days it means a little bit less travel, but it means being a little bit more purposeful in terms of where you are in your location. For me especially, Dan, it means like really digging in and figuring out like what I really like about a city, what I really value, when I want to be there, who are the people there, you know, why do I like to spend time there? Because you have the opportunity or because we're fortunate enough to have the opportunity to live where we want, these kinds of questions become even more important. You know, for like people 50 years ago, Dan, they didn't have a choice where they lived, right? The factory was based in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Lancaster. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like your family, your uncle worked there and that's just where you lived and worked, right? And it was just assumed you would be there forever. And then of course you have the crazy uncle that moved away somewhere, maybe two towns away. But for the most part, it was assumed that you were going to kind of stay in that area. And for us, that's just not the case. We, We have the freedom, we have the mobility. And so now these questions become more important. Yeah, they become important. And, you know, it's not all upside either. Like there's a lot of downside too to moving around your life every few years or just displacing yourself away from your hometown. So it's not like it's all upside, but certainly in light of that freedom, there's very few people who are going to turn down the opportunity to at least visit new places. And certainly it's always been a really important ambition of mine to see the world. I want to talk to you briefly before we get into this little game I've constructed for us today. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Austin, which I think it's fair to say is your city. In terms of bootstrapping internet-based businesses, I really think Austin is sort of head and shoulders above the rest. What does it whisper to you? Well, I chose to live in Austin about three years ago, moving from San Diego as kind of my home base. One is the community that you mentioned. So there are more entrepreneurs that are accessible. And I really emphasize the term accessible in Austin than anywhere else I've ever been pretty much in the world. You know, when you go to places like Asia, you can kind of spot the guys and the girls in the cafe 
that speak English, right? And you're like, oh, you must be doing something interesting. Walk up to them. Well, in Austin, it's kind of the same way. So if you're at the uh, cafe midday and there's a bunch of laptops open, all those people, or most of those people, I should say, are working on their businesses. Some of them are employees and whatnot, but there's a good chance that you're going to bump into another business owner. And that to me is super cool. And there's a large community of us there that are working on building these businesses. Of course, Google, Facebook, all the usual suspects are moving there too, which is bringing a lot of similar tertiary talent to the town. That being said, Dan, that's like the professional side of it for me. There's also what I call like a community side of it too, which is the people that are my friends. They're into similar hobbies, they're into racing cars, they're into dirt bikes, they're into building things, whether it be houses, construction projects, things like that. I've found Texans to be extremely resourceful. And I really value that. I wrote, you know, in the article that what I felt like Austin whispered was your project and interests are accepted and cool. And, you know, we first visited Austin a long time ago, and the reality is the city is changing a lot. And I might even sort of tweak that now in retrospect, because there's like a little bit more of an insistence to the Austin vibe nowadays. It's a little, it's still got that acceptance and cool and quirky thing going on, but it's also like your project and interests are accepted and cool and how can I help? Or like, what are you doing next for them? There's like a sprinkle of ambition happening in Austin. There's a little bit of bustle. There's a little bit of growth mindset that wasn't necessarily the case like in the early 2000s where it was like, yeah, man, you like play guitar on the street and like play your originals and busk. Very cool. That's very cool, bro. (laughs) You know, like that was Austin 10 years ago. And now it's like, you know, you could really turn this into something, you know, I think you should like switch locations based on where the, like the bar crowd's going and you can (laughs) maximize your profits. (laughs) I think we would be crazy or I would be crazy to just say what I said and not mention music 10 years ago because it was like such a focal point for the city. And I I still think it is, but it looks like tech is going to like eclipse that whole scene. You know, they have South by Southwest and like half of its music, half of its tech. And I can't see it not becoming another, you know, technology-based city. That being said, Dan, the word that I wrote down for Austin was just growth. I've never been to another city in the United States that's changing so rapidly. For me, that's like really exciting because it means new restaurants are popping up. It means people are coming into town. But for the locals that have lived there for, you know, 40 years, a lot of them are upset. It means rising taxes. It means maybe getting pushed out of your house. It means not so weird anymore. The city was built on this idea of like, Austin, keep it weird. That was their slogan, I think, for a long time. And the truth is, you know, with a lot of these, especially American cities, it's the artists and the weirdos that make the city interesting, right? And then people come there. And then I think it's going to be like all these tech bros that make it very uninteresting in the end. Well, one year from now, we're committed to having DC Austin there. So keep it cool, man. Keep it weird for the next couple months. I was impressed just the last 12 months how much things have changed. So to me, it's exciting going back there as an American. Today's show is sponsored by Noviland. If you've ever run a product-based business, you know that sourcing from overseas is frustrating from beginning to end. There's communication breakdowns, lack of reliability, quality control, and the list goes on and on. Noviland has come up with a solution to all that. They're a U.S.-based, free-to-use e-procurement platform with a wide network of over 2,000 custom manufacturers overseas. They can help you to get factory pricing on a wide array of products quickly and easily. 
With Noviland, your only point of contact is a US-based account manager who is there to help you solve your concerns. Once you create your free account with Noviland.com, they will take you over the entire sourcing process. Noviland handles everything from finding you the right manufacturer to getting you the best price. They provide samples, sort out logistics, and then keep you up to date on how the order is progressing. To get started, visit Noviland.com now. It takes just five minutes to set up a free account and submit a request for a quote. Then the operations team in China will get to work finding the perfect factory for your product. Check it out today. Use the promo code TMBA20 to get a $20 credit added to your account. And a big thanks to Noviland for sponsoring this week's show. Okay, so we've talked a lot about Austin and Barcelona, our respective hometowns on this program, but we're going to play a little game. We're going to talk about five cities each and what they've whispered to us, and then we are going to try to convince each other to go someplace that we've never gone before as the bonus round. I got to offer a caveat up front. Ian and I are not necessarily the most worldly individuals. I'll speak for myself. We're not trying to take this stuff too seriously. If this is your city, we don't mean to offend. And we'd love to hear your thoughts on cities that you think are interesting for entrepreneurs, for fun, for history, for other interesting things. Let us know in the comments. You ready to kick this thing off, Ian? Let's do it, man. All right, boss man, I defer to you. Let us know your first city and what it whispers. Okay, Dan, I'm going to start this off. And I don't mean this to be like too negative. But I'm going to start this off with an idea, okay? So the first city that I have on the list is Los Angeles. While I was living in San Diego, you were also living in San Diego part of the time, had an opportunity to visit Los Angeles on many occasions. And the way I would describe Los Angeles to people, believe it or not, not to be too negative, is you aren't good enough. Wow. <laughs> so little background, Los Angeles, the second largest city in America. It's on the West Coast. It's in California. You know, I thought about this for a little bit, and I thought about all the different cities that I would live in California. If I was to move back to California, where would I like to live? Of course, there's San Francisco, there's Los Angeles, and then there's San Diego, and you know, there's Fresno, Sacramento, there's a bunch of other cities, but I consider those like the three major hubs in uh, California, at least of the places that I would like to live. And I think after leaving San Diego, San Diego would still be the city that I go back to. You know, every time I visited Los Angeles, it was there was a lot going on, but I could never figure out where all the money was coming from. <laughs> I could never figure out where everyone was working. I could never figure out what anybody's values were. And I always felt like I wasn't doing well enough when I was in Los Angeles, no matter how good I was doing. And it seemed like the people that I met there as well were always striving to do something other than what they were doing. And I found that to be in great contrast between San Diego. Whereas in San Diego, I met many bartenders that were very happy being bartenders. And that was their life. And they did that so they could snowboard. They did that so they could surf. In Los Angeles, if you're a bartender, it's because you're trying to go to law school and then you're trying to become OJ Simpson's lawyer or whatever it is, right? (laughs) It's never good enough, whatever you're doing in Los Angeles. I love it. All right. The first city I want to talk about is London. What it whispers to me is be curious about your world. It sort of sub whispers to me, read a little bit more and take everything with a wink. Is that a British expression, by the way? I'm always... I don't know. (laughs) My friend mentioned it to me like, 
we were walking around London and talking about how, from our perspective, how evolved things seemed in a certain direction. I'm not saying it's like sort of comprehensively an evolved society or whatever. I don't know. But there was sort of this idea that even though it there was a lot of serious things that had happened there, nothing was ultimately too serious because they were wise enough to know everything with a wink, right? London is a place that initially I wasn't very curious about when I was younger. And it's a place that has sort of become this destination for me to go back to every year. You know, developing friends there and people that have connections in London. I just think it's a fantastic place to visit for a week and to get a sense for what is one of the, if not the most important city in the world. I mean, if you're going to rank these things and people do, you can like look up on Wikipedia, there's something called like the Global City Index or something. And at the top, it's right there is London. And, you know, me and you both spent a lot of time in New York, one of the other cities that's recognized with that status. And for me, maybe it's because I'm a foreigner. I'm not exactly sure. But there is a sense that London feels a bit more global. New York to me feels like very American in a way, even though it's a cosmopolitan city. Yeah, London, I think it's just a lovely place to visit. Well, this is very early on in the list, Dan, and I think we're already going to have to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I got the opportunity to spend six weeks there last summer. I like to eat food. And when I went to London, I was, first of all, I was shocked at the price. Obviously, it's expensive, as also is New York expensive. As is Paris, as are a lot of these sort of top-end cities. But I felt like for what I was getting in terms of, I envisioned London as the New York of Europe. And because of that, I was severely disappointed. I was very interested also in London to see like the corporate culture and how deep it runs. You know, five o'clock every single day, you're standing on the corner with your tie undone, with your shirt unbuttoned, one button, and you're drinking copious amounts of beer. <laughs> <laughs> I've just never seen anything like that before. It's like the office buildings, they empty. Imagining everybody drinking till 8 p.m. and then going home and then just doing it all over again. And I just thought, uh, I don't know if this is for me. All right. So London is each our number two city. Let's move on to number three. So Dan, hopefully this is one that we can share together in harmony. The number three on my list is Ho Chi Minh City. And what does it whisper? What Ho Chi Minh City whispers for me is, we are Vietnamese and this is our food. And I think we can agree on this one, right? <laughs> That's funny. My, I wrote down this. I think it whispers something like, make something of yourself. I can agree with this. This is a definitely, that's more of like a shout. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so in Vietnam, food culture runs super deep. Some of my best memories, Dan, from that place are riding around on motorbikes with you, hopping around from cafe to cafe during the day, and then eventually you end up at the restaurant, and then eventually you end up at the bar, and you're doing it on your on your little scooter. You can never get full on Vietnamese food, no matter how much of it you eat. So you eat like five times a day. It's just amazing to me the care and also the variety in what seems like from the outside, the same kind of food you can experience. I might as well bring up my third city, which is in the same country. We were hoping for some, because I have no idea what cities you'd selected. No, this is a secret. I think we're doing like game theory by trying to outmaneuver each other 
we've ended up on the same basic land masses. <laughs> I wanted to talk about Hanoi. Because of a conversation I had this week, I think Hanoi whispers a couple things. Consider your craft or take a long contemplative stroll. Hmm. It's a little bit different than the Ho Chi Minh vibe. Hanoi always struck me as sort of a very literary space, a creative place, a spectacular place to take a walk. And so, yeah, Hanoi, Ho Chi Minh, certainly places that are very special to us. Cool. Yeah, I had Manila on the side of my list, by the way. Here, what do you think of this? Manila whispers, someone wrote this in the comments that there's a Tagalog statement that says, come what may. Speaking of, uh, you know, Southeast Asian nations. So Manila is the capital of the Philippines. But I wrote, we'll all go down together. Like the Billy Joel song. I'd say that's about right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to move on. I'll leave that for a future discussion. All right, let's move on to the next city then, number four. So, Dan, for this one, I picked what I guess I'd say my all-time favorite U.S. city is. Can you guess? It has to be New York. That's New York City, man. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What does New York whisper to you? This is a hard one, man. It whispers so much. But I think one of the things that I value in Austin is also going on in New York. And unfortunately, I can't participate in this without living there, but I can see it happening. And so the word that I wrote down for New York City is community. What's amazing to me is how different New Yorkers are, like how many different backgrounds they come from. All over the world, people live in New York. And as soon as they get there or soon after they get there, they consider themselves New Yorkers, which I think is super cool, right? That you can be from a completely different country. You come to New York and all of a sudden you're a New Yorker and everyone in New York looks at you, respects you, talks to you like you're a New Yorker. I dig you. I dig the community element because I do do the Brooklyn coffee shop rounds when I'm there and I get it. I hear the conversations around me. I see that everybody's in the same boat, you know, trying to make it happen in similar ways. And it's not a city that's necessarily completely obsessed with money. I mean, there's an enormous creative class there. It's a tough city to live in. I think that that's the thing. That's part of what brings people together. It's one of those cities like San Francisco, like you either move there early and you stay broke <laughs> or you move there early and you like get out, right? Or you get rich, right? There's like not a lot of in between or at least like the working class that I've seen. Like my grandmother, she lived in New York for her whole life. And I think just she had a pretty good life. You know, she lived outside of the city a bit, smaller apartments or whatnot, but in working class neighborhoods and she made it work, right? But these days, man, it just seems like it's harder and harder to live in these like first tier cities unless you're making a bunch of money. Well, one of the thing about some of these first-tier megacities is that living in New York isn't necessarily living in New York, right? Like the distance between Philadelphia and New York can be the same as certain places in New York and New York. And so I saw this like photo somewhere on the internet. It was like the dream of living in New York and like there was this picture of like the cast of friends like all hanging out in the apartment on the same couch, you know? And the reality is like you sitting there alone. Because your friends live like an hour away or whatever, you know? <laughs> I guess I'm seeing a little bit more of that with the creative class emerging and with the remote work revolution that, you know, people are like living and working in cafes in Brooklyn, 
And they're able to develop that community where like sort of like the midtown Manhattan office situation and commute isn't cratering that and making it much more difficult to build those relationships. Uh, enough about New York. Let me move on to Greenville, South Carolina. Hmm. Okay. And what Greenville, South Carolina whispers to me outside of stay in line, young buck, is we're moving on up. So I've lived just outside of Greenville for four years of my life. It is in the northwestern part of South Carolina. It's a little bit different culturally than what you'd think of when you think of South Carolina, because it's got a touch of Appalachia, beautiful, mountainous lakes, wooded. And the southeast of America is sort of the place that's happening right now. That's my call. Like from Greenville, you can sort of, and, and you could basically say this about a lot of southeastern cities, like you can get two hours to Atlanta, you can get two hours to Charlotte which is one of the fastest growing cities in America. You can drive to Raleigh, which is an important city. You can drive to Asheville, North Carolina, which is really taking off. And so there's sort of this area in the southeastern United States that's really moving up. And it's dramatically different from where I grew up in the country, which is the Northeast, where things feel really static. There doesn't feel like a lot of future. Like Maybe on paper there's some diversity, but people aren't really mixing so much. All of a sudden, you get off your plane in Charlotte. There's peoples of different creeds and colors. Everybody's mixing. It's vibrant. It's growth. It's such a different vibe in America. And from when I lived there in 2005 to when I visited last year, the changes have been dramatic. New York, San Francisco, these places are becoming places where you cannot survive comfortably if you're not making a bunch of money. And so I've always kind of predicted this, Dan, over the last 10 years is that people are going to start to migrate to these more affordable cities. And I think one of them was Austin. Is Austin becoming more unaffordable? Yes. So where are we going to go next, right? We're going to go to the Greenvilles. We're going to go to the Charlottes. The reason we're talking about Charlotte, we're talking about Greenville, we're talking about Austin, is there are places where you can A, have table stakes, and B, you can expect that the pot values to increase, your expected value to go up. So those are things that you don't see in California. You cannot buy in unless you have done exceptionally well with your business. And it's not exactly clear that it's going to be going up. Where you look at a place like Austin and you say, hey, if you've got table stakes to get into Austin, get in because you're going to rise with that tide. You can look at that with a lot of Asian cities. Me and you both have friends that moved to Shenzhen 10 years ago and it made all the difference, right? Sure, they're hard workers. Sure, they're smart people. But it was the fact that they were there in that city at that time. And it's part of the reason I bring up Greenville. I mean, I'm not an expert in the Southeast. I just lived there for a while. But I've noticed how many more people have moved there, how many Northerners have come down to the Southeast to get involved, right? That's a, a big trend that's happening. I mean, I was talking to some guy at the hotel, and I was like, dude, this is crazy. Like, This has completely changed from 10 years ago. And his joke was, people figuring out they don't have to shovel sunshine. He didn't quite say it that way, but you get what I'm saying. <laughs> it's warm, temperate weather, lots of diversity, lots of interesting things happening, and it's affordable. Yeah, I think over the next couple of years, Dan, we're going to see these cities that are already starting to pop, but I think we're going to see even more people migrate to them. And I'll say this too, like, and I've said this actually before, if you own a local business and you're doing pretty well, like you know what you're doing, like maybe a construction business, 
or you've owned a couple of restaurants, if you're doing that in a major metropolitan city like Los Angeles or like San Francisco, or like New York, bring your craft to these up and coming cities and crush it. Like absolutely demolish the competition because especially what I'm seeing in Austin is like a bunch of people that shouldn't be owning local businesses are getting by very well because no one else is there to service their needs. Big fish, small pond stuff, it does work. And yeah, small fish, big pond works too. One or the other, they both work well. All right, boss man, we got a couple more cities each. Let's start with uh, number four. This is a city that I just keep coming back to. I've gotten to know it very well, and so it's on my list, and that's Prague in the Czech Republic. And what it whispers to me, believe it or not, along the whisper theme is, shh. (laughs) It's a quiet place outside of the center. It's pretty quiet, man. (laughs) It's very quiet. And most of the businesses are tucked in basements. So you could easily walk down the street and not even know that they exist. And because of that reason, for me, it's a lot of fun. Of course, now that I've been there several times, I've developed friends there. I kind of know my lay of the land. And so it's like a really fun place for me to visit. Totally agree about the Prague call, Ian. Great city for a visit. All right, number four for me, Montreal, Canada, the capital of the French-speaking province, Quebec. It's on the right-hand side of Canada. (laughs) It's cold. But for a lot of location-independent entrepreneurs... They have chosen southern cities to live in because of the temperate temperatures. And so they're doing, what do you call it? It's not snowbird, but the opposite. What do you call it when you... Silly? You call it silly? Because it's cold? You got to get out of there for the summer. What do they call it when Arizonans go over to California? Annoying. That's what we used to call it when we lived there. Come on. Come on. (laughs) Hang with me here. I don't know. I never heard it. The point is... A lot of people like Ian are moving to places like Austin. People live in Arizona. People live in hot areas. And if you're looking for a retreat on a North American time zone, I can't encourage you enough to go to Montreal, which, what does it whisper? The first thing that came to my mind is enjoy your life responsibly. (laughs) Is this like a beer commercial? (laughs) I don't know. It might have come from that. It's like fun but grown up vibe. It's Canadian, you know. I was texting with Jane, the producer of this show, because she loves Montreal too. And she said, Europe in North America is how she described it. And it's incredibly friendly. And I think Europe in North America really captures Montreal. I mean, I think pound for pound, Montreal in the month of June might be the best city in North America. It's got great public transport, fantastic people, wonderful universities and things to do, mountains, water, F1 track, you name it, man. It's a great city, one of my favorites of all time. And if you're looking for a, a great place to get away that has a, a temperate summer, I couldn't recommend Montreal enough. Just avoid it in the winter if you can. You know, I've heard a lot of great things about Montreal, Dan. I haven't been there in Canada yet, but I'm actually honestly a little bit scared to go because it sounds like a little bit too good, you know? It's one of those cities where you like go there and you're like, man, what is it going to take me to get a Canadian passport? Hmm, how can I figure this out? Once winter rolls around, boss man, all of your concerns will be addressed. (laughs) You won't think about sticking around. It's pretty rough. To our Canadian listenership, hats off. You guys are real troopers. All right, boss man, we're on to number five. One more city, and then we will try to convince each other 
to go to some place we've never been before. I think my list has a little bit of a theme here, boss man. Aside from London, I think my list is a bit of an underdogs. Underdogs. It's a bit of an underdogs list. Not the shiniest cities out there, not the sexiest necessarily, but uh, ones that I think people underrate and one that has been generating an incredible amount of buzz in the community. My first foreign travel experience in the capital of one of my favorite countries is Mexico City. And I think what Mexico City whispers is be creative or be bohemian or be literary. It's got such an awesome bohemian vibe to it in what is an enormous urban jungle. I mean, it's a huge city, over 10 million people. It also whispers have another street taco because they're pretty much the best food ever. Because <laughs> they're cheap and the best. Yeah. They're the best thing ever. Like, I don't think you can get more flavor in like the space of a silver dollar and any other food item. So there you go. Street tacos, Mexico City. It's really happening for North American entrepreneurs who want to stay on the time zone, but maybe they want to minimize their taxation or they want to enjoy a little bit better lifestyle for their dollar or just enjoy what I think is a really wonderful city that you can get to the mountains, you can get to the beach, plenty of things to do. So Mexico City, give it a visit. I visited Mexico last year, Dan, or year before last, actually. And it's amazing the image that Americans are given about Mexico, especially American news. It gives like such a negative view of Mexico. And you go down there and you're like, oh, hey, these are the same Mexicans that we have in North America, and they're great, and the food's great, and they're super friendly, and the accommodations are wonderful. It's like, of course it's nice down in Mexico, because I enjoy hanging out with Mexicans in America. I think it's fair to say we sort of look down on Mexico a little bit. Quite literally, they are below us. And when you get down there, you realize that, man, not as advertised. No, not at all. Fantastic country, and so incredibly diverse. Worth a visit. All right, your final final city, boss man. Okay, Dan. This has been a lot of fun. I'm going to bring up my final city, and we've actually already touched on it a little bit in this episode, but I want to bring it up for a little bit of a different reason. And it's something that I've been thinking a lot about lately, which is what cities have you become, for me, quite literally married to? And that is San Diego. What does San Diego whisper? So San Diego is this sort of like on the border of Mexico in Southern California. Yep. And I spent about 10 years there on and off. And what San Diego whispers to me is work to live, not live to work. That was a bit of a confusing vibe, Dan, when we were there because we were trying to figure out how to get our careers off the ground. And I'm living at the beach and everybody's kind of like hanging out. And I'm like, oh man, I feel a little bit more ambitious than these people. Come to find out that, yeah, there's some ambitious people in in San Diego. There's some unambitious people in San Diego. But everyone is, I I think, in general, enjoying their life because it's the best weather, I'd say, in the world, meaning that it stays a constant 75 degrees Fahrenheit pretty much all year round. It's like 21, 22 degrees Celsius. Yeah, basically year round. But the reason I bring up this idea of like what cities you become married to is something that kind of crept up on me and I didn't really realize it. And I think this is pretty applicable to a lot of people that are listening to this show. When we were in California, Dan, we at some point realized that we made a grave mistake. Do you remember what this mistake was? I think you're going to bring up taxes. Yeah, we incorporated a company in (laughs) California. It was like the dumbest financial decision I've ever made in my life. 
And I've since spent like the last five years trying to get out of that situation. It's finally coming to an end here soon, Dan, in the next year or so. While I was there, I met a girl and it's turned out to be great. We've been together for seven years, just had a kid. What I didn't realize though, Dan, is I can't get away from San Diego. And this kind of just hit me the other day. You married San Diego. I married San Diego. Like I will, as long as things go as well as they're going right now, I will be going back to San Diego at least once a year forever. And that's not really something that I took into consideration. So the reason I bring that up is because I think a lot of the people listening to the show are living these nomadic lives or considering these different cities. And it just so turns out that if you make a commitment, if you get into a relationship like that, it might be that you end up marrying that location. Put it this way, and I don't mean to be crass, but you're not just marrying your partner, you're marrying their passport. That's right. Okay. You got to think about it. (laughs) It's really interesting, Dan, for me, and I don't know, it probably seems pretty obvious to a lot of people listening to the show, but I was thinking about, you know, I was actually fantasizing about the market crashing and maybe picking up a little bit more real estate. And I was thinking of all these cities, you know, a lot of them that we've brought up on the show today. Oh, I could buy a place here, get a place there. But what's the most logical city? You might be an entrepreneur if you fantasize about the market crashing. But in fact, the most logical location for me to pick up another piece of real estate would be the place that I've tried so hard to get away from the last couple of years because I have some permanent ties to San Diego. Well, you know what? Good for you, buddy, because for those of you listening, San Diego is a truly fantastic city. It's one of our best in America, and I'm really disappointed about all the crap talking that goes on about it on this program, because I I still got a big piece of my heart back there. So, Most of the crap talking is around 10% taxes. You know what? It's like whenever I did one of these surveys on the web the other day, and you can, like fill out like all your personality traits, and it gives you back like your greatest cities. You should go. All of the places that are for me personally have high tax rates. <laughs> it's like, well, they're nice places. <laughs> all right. So first off, I gotta thank the listeners who stuck around this long. I mean, in some ways, I feel, like this is a summer app. I feel a little bit uncomfortable talking about cities. Like we are not experts in these cities. We're just talking about them. We're assuming everyone's on vacation. Right? It's August. No one's listening to this. Yeah, no one's listening. It's August. Okay. All right, boss man. Then let's figure out where we're going to go for our next vacation. It's your turn to convince me to go somewhere that I've never been before. So, Dan, one of the cities that I was talking to you about over the last month, I said, you got to visit this place. It might be for you. I think about you when I think of this place. You guys have a lot in common, I think. We should meet. We should hang out. Just just one drink. You should meet. (laughs) (laughs) It's in this new region that you keep raving about. Charleston, South Carolina. Little coastal town in South Carolina. There's a college, at least one college there. There's College of Charleston. I think there might be another one. I'm not sure. Super cool architecture from my point of view. Some of the older buildings in this country. And it's right on the beach, man. You don't have to twist my arm too much. I definitely have Charleston, South Carolina on the list. And it's close enough to some of the major airports that you can get out of there pretty easily. You know, I uh, went to school in Savannah, Georgia, and I spent many weekends up in Charleston because I thought the beaches were better and actually the town was better. Very cool. I would like to make a pitch for you to visit Chiang Mai, Thailand. 
might come to a surprise to some of the listeners that I've never been to Chiang Mai. I've avoided that trip for many years. So I think there's a few things about Chiang Mai that's interesting. The first is that, you know how, like, when we first went to Austin, this is true of myself, we sort of looked down on it a little bit as a city. Well, I remember exactly what we did, which is we were considering leaving San Diego. Yeah. We were like somewhat dissatisfied. So we went there and compared it directly to San Diego. And we're like, oh, this place has not as many people, not as much cool stuff going on. It doesn't have the beach. It doesn't have the weather. No. That's an interesting thing to revisit nowadays. And Austin has just changed dramatically because it was this Petri dish of creativity, of resources, of a blank canvas for companies and individuals to come and build a new life there in the future. And San Diego didn't have those things. You know, There was no real estate left. There was, it was too expensive to get involved. There was too many rules and regulations. And you look at a place like Chiang Mai, and there's a sort of a similar thing happening there. It's a university town. It's a blank canvas. There's lots of new industries and creative people coming to the place. And has it arrived yet? Not quite. I mean, is it easy to sort of laugh at a bunch of people sort of a creative class that isn't world-renowned as like, hey, this is where Google is or whatever? Yeah, I suppose you could do that. But you could also ask yourself, where is it going to be in 10 years? And I think if you combine that kind of Petri dish of opportunity mixed with the spectacular nature that's right on your doorstep to be able to do fun things. I know you like you know, outdoor activities and motorcycling, mountains and things like that. I think it would be a wonderful place to go check out for a, a couple weeks. Yeah. Remember how I talked about Thailand not being Thailand anymore because they have BMWs? <laughs> I'm going to see you soon because they got BMWs over there. <laughs> we would love to hear what your city whispers. What's your favorite places to hang out in, whisper to you. Drop them in the comments of this episode. We all hope you're enjoying your summer holidays. It's almost September. It's almost time to get back to work, boss man. We should do some more serious episodes in the coming weeks. But uh, for now, enjoy those holidays. Enjoy Southern Spain, boss man. We'll be back next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.